The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And off goes to Connor. He runs over the left tackle. He breaks a tackle. He moves a pile past the goal line. It's a touchdown for the Cardinals. James Connor running it. Shotgun snap taken by Chase Edmonds, and Edmonds around the left side hops into the end zone for the touchdown. Burrow back to pass. Rush coming. Burrow is buried again. He goes down for the ninth time of the ball game. The Titans have tied an NFL record with nine sacks in a playoff game. Drop here, trying to get out of there, and not going to do it. Preston Smith with the sack, and the Packers' defense shutting them down. Trubisky play fake, gonna roll to the near side, gonna keep it at the five, wide open to the end zone, touchdown! Mitch gonna throw, pressure coming from behind, loves it, down the left side, up in the air, stag, touchdown! Off end over end, Berrios gets it just inside the end zone, he's got some steam, he's got a hole past the 30, he is off to the races, Berrios is going to score! It's a Monday edition of PFTPM. Free agency has begun. Pay no attention to the titles that they use, negotiating period, legal tampering. That's all hogwash. Free agency began at noon Eastern today. Deals become official on Wednesday. It started today. It's happening now, and we're here to get you up to speed on everything that has happened through the first five hours. He's Mike Golick. I'm Mike Florio. It's Mike along with Mike in the afternoon here on Peacock. What's up, Mike Golick? I'm I'm trying to figure out, you know, Illegal tampering or legal tampering. Tampering isn't legal and illegal tampering is, I don't even know anymore. All I know is I love it. It's great. I'm, I'm cool. You know, I compared it, Mike, to college football going with the NIL. What all we've done is taken what was illegal before and we've made it legal. Money under the table in college, now you can put it on top of the table. And now in uh, the NFL, you can go ahead and start negotiating your deals before you're supposed to be allowed to. Yeah, and look, here's the reality. When we start seeing reports right after 12 o'clock Eastern, yeah, yeah. multi-million dollar contracts carefully <laughs> negotiated with a fine-tooth comb in 30 seconds or less. They're yeah. faster than dominoes, baby. Uh, uh. It's, it's obvious. And it, it was that way before they created the negotiating window, which was an acknowledgement of the rampant and widespread tampering. There's still rampant and widespread tampering, and yeah. I think it's getting worse, and that always happens. It gets worse until somebody gets smacked, and then everybody pulls back a little bit, right. and then it creeps and it creeps and it creeps. But, Mike, here's what's hilarious. The teams aren't allowed to say anything on their social media channels, on their websites. They can't say a word. But go to NFL.com. Go to the NFL Twitter account. All of the deals are announced there. The league does what the teams are prohibited from doing so they should just start free agency at noon on the monday of the week that the new league year begins and be done with it yeah i mean it's a ridiculous two days they're doing because no matter what you do no matter when you say free agency start you could say we're going to make it monday and there's no more tampering 
there's always going to be tampering. So you're trying to you're trying to say, okay, we know you guys tamper, so we'll give you two days to do it. Yeah, okay. And that just like you said, some of the greatest negotiating agents in the world have gotten these <laughs> deals done in 30 seconds. I mean, who are we kidding anymore? Just make free agency a certain date. Then the, and it's gonna and the same thing's gonna happen as soon as the free agency hits. Thirty seconds later, deals are gonna be done. And you know what? Why look into it? You're, who cares? You know, you're, it, we're, this isn't. You know, we're we're not curing anything here. Okay. I mean, this is. It's going to happen. Nothing is going to stop it unless the league is willing to say, "Hey, wait a minute." 30 seconds for a deal? We need to look into this. Do we really think they're going to look the hell into that? Who cares? You know, just what's going to happen is going to happen. You know, not to say the floodgates are going to be open, but they're always going to be illegal tampering. So mark a date for free agency and let, let the deals be announced 30 seconds after free agency starts. Mike, I had a team president tell me years ago that that person's team was not engaged in tampering until the team came to the conclusion we're the only ones who aren't yeah. <laughs> we're at a competitive disadvantage so yeah. we need to do it just to keep up with everyone else the chargers had been expected widely to pursue patriots cornerback jc jackson it wasn't a 1201 eastern deal maybe the time change had something to do yeah. with it but word has since emerged that the chargers are expected to sign jackson to a five-year $82.5 million deal with $40 million guaranteed. That doesn't mean it's guaranteed at signing. What happens is the deals eventually percolate. We break them down at PFT to show what they're really worth. Are they good? Are they bad? A lot of it's in the eye of the beholder. But the initial reports are always slanted toward making them look bigger than they are. The reporters go along with it. It's part of the quid pro quo. I've been banging that drum for years. It's ridiculous, but it's the way it is. And the big numbers get out there because that's what the agents want. So it's five years, 82.5. When we get a chance to break it down, we'll see what it really is, how long the deal really lasts. The Amari Cooper contract is the best example. It was five years, $100 million. The Cowboys paid out $40 million over two, and they were ready to move on after that. Right. They had to trade him and hardly got anything for him. So we'll see what this Jackson deal is worth. But he got his – his reward, undrafted guy, restricted free agent last year. He has gotten his financial reward on the open market. That's what free agency is supposed to be. The franchise tag keeps guys from getting this generational payday. The Patriots didn't tag Jackson. Jackson gets paid. Listen, and, and, and I, I'm glad to see, listen, I want every, anybody to get any money they can. But sometimes you see a one-year wonder guy get paid a ton. And again, I'm happy for the guy, but then you kind of – Try to cross your fingers and you say, boy, I hope he can do that again. J.C. Jackson in the last three years has 22 interceptions and 47 passes defended. The dude has been doing it for multiple years. And now he goes to a defense that picked up Khalil Mack as well, or is going, picked up Khalil, has Joey Bosa as well. It was a defense last year that was horrible against the run. They were top 12 against the pass, 23rd overall, 30th in points given up, which is the most important thing. They gave up 27 points a game. And you got a ball hawker now in Jackson, you know, who's going who's gonna to get you turnovers. And that's still when this game of football started to when the game of football ever 
never ends if it ever does. Turnovers are always going to be one of the most important factors in it, and that man gets turnovers, scores with them, or changes the field, flips the field in your favor. So a monster signing by the Chargers, who have a young, great quarterback, tinker with the offensive line, working on the defense now, ready to, to really make a move. We, we, I think we both agree it's a team that has the arrow pointing up, and they're really, really skyrocketing that arrow right now. Competing in a difficult division, competing in a difficult city. I think that's a big part of it, too, Mike Golick. You got the Rams in your stadium waving around that Lombardi trophy first weekend of the season. They're going to be hoisting a banner. I don't know if they take the banners down when the when the chargers play but you know either the banner or the hooks they put the banner on will be there as a reminder every time the chargers play in that stadium and khalil Mack, kind of there aaron donald and there was a time when khalil Mack and aaron donald were the two best defensive players in the nfl Mack has fallen off but they get Mack. now they get their answer to jalen ramsey he didn't get ramsey money though that's the other thing too he wanted five years 100 million he got five years 82.5 Far short of Ramsey money, but still a great deal for Jackson. Where does this put the Chargers, in your opinion, in the hierarchy of the AFC West? When you got the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes and company, the right. Broncos, who will have Russell Wilson officially on Wednesday, the Raiders with Josh McDaniels teaming up with Derek Carr. Where do the Chargers fit? To me, they're second. To me, they're behind the Chiefs. I think it's, you know, and I think it's close. After the Chiefs, I think it's the Chargers. And then and then not really far back is Denver and and the Raiders. Let's see what the Raiders are going to do. But Denver, you 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 needed to upgrade a quarterback, and you absolutely upgraded that quarterback. As I've talked about before, from the receivers to the, the dual, the two-headed running back system they have, which I like there. Um, I, it is a very competitive, I think, division. But I definitely think, as I said, the Chargers were already on the upswing. And I think they're solidifying the spots they need to solidify. So right now, I put them right behind Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Derwin James, who posted the eyes emoji this yeah. morning that got a lot of people's attention. He's got the Pro Bowls. And that's where the tampering really starts, Mike yeah. Golden. And it, yeah. it, it, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with the teams at the combine. I mean, it continues there. But the seeds get planted at the Pro Bowl. And there's Derwin James sitting with J.C. Jackson. And uh, now they're going to be sitting like that when Justin Herbert and company are on the field every Sunday, Monday, and Thursday this fall. And good for the Chargers. They're doing what they had to do. We spoke to Brandon Sale at the scouting combine, and it was obvious they were motivated to work on their defense. They are motivated to spend. And a reason they're spending – They still have Justin Herbert under his rookie contract. they got one more year before the window opens on even the ability to sign him to a second contract. Now's the time to chew up the cap space on veteran talent who can come in and help this team win before Justin Herbert's accounting for 18, 17, 19% of the salary cap just by himself. Well, you see, the Chiefs did that, right? They, they signed Mahomes in that big deal, but his deal doesn't kick in until, what, this year, I, I think? And they were able to re-sign some of the guys they wanted to re-sign for good money because the that, that quarterback was on the rookie deal. That's the beauty of when you get a quarterback and he starts to pan out for you early. You say, okay, 
We don't have to think about replacing our quarterback. We can work on everything else. That's the beauty of a Justin Herbert, of what a Josh Allen did early on. Uh, obviously, a Patrick Mahomes. It puts you in position and say, we can, we can get their mega deal out of the way, but we don't have to start their mega cap space number for a couple of years while we can reel in some more talent. So we're hitting the ground running. I think the Chargers are doing that well. Yeah, and uh, it's going to make those games in the AFC West this year even more compelling between Russell Wilson and what the Chargers are doing, and the Chiefs are still the Chiefs, and who knows what the Raiders are going to do, but they've got that Patriot connection now. Should be interesting. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I've been saying all along, they can't make Mason Rudolph their starting quarterback. All due respect to Mason Rudolph. I'm sure he's a fine young man. Sure, he's a fine yeah. young man, and, and, and he's had a degree of success in college. He was a second-round pick coming out of Oklahoma State, but, but we've seen enough, and the Steelers have seen enough. Mitchell Trubisky joins the Pittsburgh Steelers on a two-year deal. Last year, he played for the Bills for $2.5 million, first four seasons with the Bears. Mike, the most intriguing fact to me is the absence of one key fact. All these deals we see, five years, $82.5 million, four years, $60 million. With Mitchell Trubisky, all we've seen is two years. I don't know what he's getting. Whatever it is, there's no chest thumping by his agent as to what Mitchell Trubisky's getting. And why that is potentially telling, Mike, it could be that he's the Mike Glennon of 2022. Mike Glennon was the guy the Bears signed to a contract on the first day of free agency thereabouts before they drafted Mitch Trubisky. Trubisky could be the placeholder so the Steelers aren't obviously looking for a quarterback in round one. So Trubisky may be QB one for just a matter of six weeks, not six months or even anything close to six years. So you sit there and look at Pittsburgh. Now I'm looking at Mason Rudolph, 76th pick. He was so drafted in the third round. You have Dwayne Haskins, who was a first round quarterback and you have Mitch Trubisky, who was a first round quarterback. And Pittsburgh will not get back into the contention for the Super Bowl with any of these quarterbacks. You know, when, when, and I said this about on, on another show when there was talk of Mitch going to the Giants to maybe compete with Daniel Joseph, I said the same thing. For the Giants to get back where they want to get, neither one of those quarterbacks is going to take them there. So I, I agree with you. This, this is kind of a placeholder situation. I, I really wonder if Mitch Trubisky will ever be a consistent starter in the NFL, but you know how it works. He was a first-round pick, so if he is not a consistent starter in the NFL, he can bop from team to team and get himself a nice paycheck to hold a clipboard and maybe go in for a few games to hold the team's head above water until the starter comes back. Now, listen, he's saying all the right things. I went to Buffalo for that year, only made two and a half mil, but I learned a lot about the quarterback position. I feel I'm ready to go now. And so, listen, I, I, I hope he says that, and I'm sure he feels that way. Every player should. I just, I just don't know if that's going to happen. I, and, and I'm always one, I, I analyze, that's what I do, but and then I hope I'm wrong. You know, whenever I don't think a player is going to pan out, I hope I'm wrong because I want them to pan out. I'd like them to succeed, but my job is to give my opinion on what I think is going to happen, and I just don't think it's going to happen that way for Mitch. So I'm with you, you know, whether, whether Pittsburgh wants to pick another quarterback or they're going to get one down the road. I just think all these quarterbacks are just placeholders until they get the next guy that's going to try and lead them to the promised land. I know Chris Sims was very critical of the way that Matt Nagy used Mitch Trubisky in Chicago. He didn't adjust the offense to suit the strengths and weaknesses of Mitchell Trubisky. And a lot of coaches do that. Hey, it's my system. You run my system. You either 
succeed or you fail, I'm not changing my system for you. If the Steelers implement a system that takes advantage of what Trubisky can do, look, the guy can run, the guy can move, far more mobile than Ben Roethlisberger has been in years. And, Mike, they've got enough around him. They made it to the playoffs twice in Chicago with Mitch Trubisky as the starter because they had a strong defense. Check box for the Steelers. They had the, the other pieces around to allow Trubisky to perform. So they got to the playoffs last year with a Ben Roethlisberger who was a shell of himself. If Trubisky's the guy, I don't think you just say they have no chance. And they probably want you to say they have no chance. They feed off of that kind of negative energy. And I also think, Mike, we do need to have to keep an eye on them for potentially drafting a guy. They're not going to tell us what they think of any of the quarterbacks in the draft class. They're going to keep their cards close to the vest just like they did with this. We, We didn't think that they were going to go after Trubisky. That's what the Steelers do. They keep their mouths shut. They keep their heads down. You find out what they're going to do when they do it. And if they like one of these quarterbacks, they'll get him. And if they have to trade up, they'll do that. We've seen them do that multiple times in the past with guys they like. Troy Polamalu, Antonio Holmes, Devin Bush. They'll move up to get a guy that they really like. They're just not going to tell you until it's time to make the move. And I'm with you about how you use a quarterback. Listen, those that are Mitch Trubisky fans are going to say it was Nagy's fault and they didn't use Mitch the right way, and and hopefully Pittsburgh will. Those that don't think a lot of Mitch as a quarterback will say, we just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. Well, he gets another chance here. I don't think anybody, I don't think there's anybody out there that expects Mason Rudolph to beat out Trubisky. If that happens, that's a, that's a whole other you know, thing to talk about. So I think Mitch is going to be the quarterback there. So then we'll see. We'll see how that system or the system they run is going to fit him. Because, you know, we saw it just didn't work in Chicago between Mitch and Nagy, whose fault it was. I guess time will tell by both their performances on down the road. We'll see. The Cincinnati Bengals have clear needs at the offensive line, as demonstrated by Aaron Donald and company 29 <laughs> days ago. The Bengals went out and spent four years, $40 million to get Alex Kappa to play offensive guard and center Ted Karras three years, $18 million deal. Look, I thought they'd go after Brandon Scherf. We'll talk about him in a minute. I thought they'd maybe go after Ryan Jensen from the Buccaneers. We'll talk about them later in the program. I'm going to be very interested to see the structure of these deals, Mike, because that's where the Bengals needed to change. It's not just a matter of spending money. The Bengals don't like to have fully guaranteed payments beyond the first year of a contract. That ties your hands when you're trying to compete with guys who have options elsewhere, and it's entirely possible they're interested in Brandon Scherf, but they weren't willing to do the structure that Scherf got in Jacksonville. We won't know that for now because first we've got to see the structures. That's my real question about the Bengals. How much have they changed what they do by way of structuring these deals, funding guaranteed payments beyond year one? That's when you know they're serious about trying to make the team better. But they've went out, they've added a couple of bodies who presumably will be better than the bodies that were trying to protect Joe Burrow in the Super Bowl. That's a net positive for the AFC champions, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to take the word presumably out of that and say it is an upgrade. At, at whatever positions they're going to play there, it's going to be an upgrade. And and one thing we do have to understand, while I think Cincinnati got caught in the, hey, man, your guy's getting destroyed back there. Yeah, but we're winning. Man, your guy's getting destroyed back there. Yeah, but we're made it to the Super Bowl. So I, I think they were like, we're, we can get by with what we've got. Our quarterback was sacked 63 times going into the Super Bowl, and we're in the Super Bowl. And then it turns out it was, you know, a great pass rush by a great player that does them in late in the game where they're going down to try and tie it. So there was a no-brainer, three or more, three or more 
new starters on this offensive line is going to be needed to try and keep Burrow upright. But to their credit, part of part of it is too, Mike. He did get sacked 70 times last year, and they lost by a field goal in the Super Bowl. So with, with a bad offensive line and a quarterback who was getting smoked back there, they did make it to potentially tie in the, in the coming to the end of the Super Bowl. So that's an area you know they needed an upgrade. And I'm with you about the money. Maybe they didn't want to structure Sheriff going to Jacksonville or what he got there, as you said, we'll talk about. But the, I know they needed to make, everybody knows they needed to make the improvements there. And they did, you know. And, and Zach Taylor said the right things afterward, you know, before you could start tampering, you know, that we're happy with our old line. But, I mean, nobody, nobody was happy with the old. You couldn't be. Not even the old lineman could be happy with what was going on <laughs> in the old line. So this was a move that was needed. A set, Like I said, at least two, maybe three or more new starters need to be on that offensive line. Yeah, and, and again, there's always a story behind the story, and it'll be interesting to hear how serious they were about maybe guys who would have graded out better, been expected to have more of an impact, and what it really means to Joe Burrow. Because even though they almost won the Super Bowl with this offensive line, the problem is that offensive line is going to get Joe Burrow killed. you yeah. got to protect Joe Burrow at all costs. And the fact that you almost won the Super Bowl with a bad offensive line is a testament to how good Joe Burrow is. But we saw the knee get caved in November of his rookie year. We saw the knee injury in the Super Bowl that we've heard nothing about since then. Minimal stuff, but if that was a regular season game, I think they shut him down. He was messed up. He got twisted around. you got to keep some of these guys off of him if you want to be a Super Bowl championship contender. 51 sacks last year for Burrow, the most of any quarterback in the league. The Jaguars will try to protect their investment at the top of the 2021 draft, Trevor Lawrence. They were the ones who landed Brandon Scherf. They have added plenty of other players, also receiver Christian Kirk. Scherf, a five-year pro bowler. He was franchise tagged the past two seasons by the Washington Commanders. Kirk gets a four-year, $72 million deal with a max value of $84 million. Uh, hey, you know, look, this is the best way, and sometimes you got to spend your way out of dysfunction, Mike. They went through a rough stretch last year, obviously. They, they went through a rough stretch after Urban Meyer was fired with the whole question of should Trent Baalke stay or go. They considered whether or not they were going to bring in executive VP of football operations. They decided not to. They meandered around looking for a coach. Once you get that all behind you, the best way to pull yourself back into the range of normalcy is to go out and spend. We'll see whether or not these were good expenditures. And right. plenty of times teams have failed with these kinds of efforts. But this is what the Jaguars needed to do. They had a compelling reason to go out and swing for the fences financially because they need to get people forgetting about what a mess 2021 was. Yeah, a couple defenders as well, including the leading tackle in the league from Atlanta, they signed as well. But one thing a team like Jacksonville has to do, because Christian Kirk, the one thing, and I'll get into to Sheriff as well, but Kirk, I believe this was the first year he started every game. And sometimes when you're Jacksonville, and you want a guy, and a guy maybe has other offers, and you're Jacksonville. Let's be honest, you're one of the worst teams in the league. Sometimes you got to overpay if you want to get a guy. And you just said it before, and you were right. I think you got to you got to shell out a little bit more money uh, because money talks, and and that's exactly what this is all about, man. If a guy wants to maximize his money, more power to him. And a place like Jacksonville is going to have to pay a little more. And the same thing. Listen, Brandon Sheriff, for what he's done. You know, being on some all-pro teams and, and how, how great he's been. Unfortunately, dude has been hurt. 
over the last couple of years and missed 22 games. I think the last, I don't know, the last, it's been years since he's played a full season. So that's a concern. So while Jacksonville is spending the money, they spent it on two guys, Sheriff, who has been extremely productive, but also missed a number of, of games. And Kirk, who finally has played all the games, was a leading receiver in Arizona. Now, let's remember DeAndre Hopkins, you know, missed time there toward the end of the season to see now what they can do. They got the big money, but their availability, especially Sheriff and the injuries, has certainly been a question mark the last few years. Most teams, when you ask them, what's your goal for the upcoming season, they say it's to win the Super Bowl, even if they understand that they have to say that in order to make as much, as much money as possible. What should the Jaguars' realistic goal be? Listen, just get a few more wins, right? I mean, get, you know, to, to get maybe 500. You know, maybe that area there. Again, you go in, and I'm with you because I was there. I was on bad teams early in my career with the Houston Oilers. But you still get your game plan every Wednesday, and you work your butt off, and you prepare, and always go in thinking you're going to win. But, you know, then then it shows that you're not the better team out there. So, and sometimes that always, Mike, doesn't come in wins and losses. Look at Detroit. You know, Detroit, how many games were they in? And they were playing tough. I mean, those are the things you look for now. Now, at some point, you say, well, hell, it's the pros. It doesn't matter. Did you win or did you lose? But for teams that are trying to climb back up the ladder, those are the things you look for. Okay, we lost, but how did you lose? Did you lose 41-10? to 10? Or did you lose, you know, 31-28, 2017? Were you in that game? Were your guys playing hard? So there's a lot of things. It's tough to put a number on it of how many they should get. To me, it's how are you in each game? How are you fighting when that fourth quarter hits and it seems like you're out of it? How are you fighting to get back into the game? Those are the things to look for with a team like this that's trying to get back up. The best news for the Jaguars, that win, an inexplicable loss by the Colts with the playoffs on the line. Yeah. week 18 but to go out and win that game and yep. that may have been the game where and I think Peter King wrote this at the time or has said this on PFT live Trevor Lawrence really took over as a leader he emerged and that may be laying the foundation for what's to come for the Jaguars the Jets trying to lay the foundation with the second overall pick in last year's draft Zach Wilson they spend money to protect him guard Lakin Tomlinson goes to New York on a three-year 40 million dollar deal with 27 million guaranteed they re-sign receiver Braxton Berrios they're hey they, they they have the same issue that the Bengals have too many sacks of the quarterback 44 for Zach Wilson last year not nearly enough wins and Wilson was a disappointment so far but it's just hard to judge this is an example of dropping a great quarterback into a bad team you can't expect the quarterback to come in and transcend the team in his rookie year it's going to take time it's going to take players it's going to require an opportunity for the quarterback to be able to make something happen before the walls close in that's the goal for the Jets keep the walls from closing in on Zach Wilson no and listen I think Tomlinson's a good signing listen uh Sala and and Mike LaFleur the old coordinator was was with them they were together in San Fran uh so they know what this guy can do on the interior of the line so it's solid can Makai Becton you know this guy has been an injury problem the last couple of years can he get healthy will they take one of these excellent tackles coming up in the draft you know you see all kinds of of mock drafts out there some had Kyle Hamilton Hamilton the safety from Notre Dame going to the Jets we'll see or do they grab an old lineman I mean 
needs um, or what other work do they do from now until the draft will dictate maybe where they go with other signings. But we, we've seen, we've already talked about it, the old linemen that have been signed to protect these young quarterbacks, Burrow, who's already been hurt, you know, Trevor Lawrence, who got knocked around, but he's learning and needs to be upright to make improvements. Zach Wilson, the same thing. Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence are guys that need to be in the film room the entire offseason, self-scouting with their coaches, not so much looking ahead to who they're playing, but self-scouting. How can they get better? That's all they can do, Mike, is work on how they can get better. It's up to the team to build around them to get better, and that's what both Jacksonville and the Jets are trying to do by getting these old linemen. Buffalo Bills will sign guard offense or offensive guard Roger Saffold to a one-year deal. He made it to the first Pro Bowl of his career in 2021. Also, something that's come in since we've been discussing the moves on air. Carlton Davis, the Buccaneers' corner, returns to Tampa Bay. The band is sticking together. Now that the leader of the band has decided to come out of retirement, something we discussed a week ago. We got partial credit. We were right that he was coming back. We yeah, just had the wrong team. city. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's more to that story, though. Uh, for now, though, let's take a break. There's more to the Deshaun Watson story. He's planning to meet with a couple of teams over the next couple of days. What's going to happen with him? We'll discuss that next here on PFTPM. Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. All right, uh, Deshaun Watson gets a, a clean bill of health as it relates to the criminal justice system on Friday. Nine criminal complaints zero indictments that opened the floodgates over the weekend Mike of reporting and it was breathless and it was nonstop. this team's interested that team's interested that team's interested that none of it matters until we know who he's interested in because he has the hammer of a no trade clause I think the Texans and Deshaun Watson were stoking the fire as much as they could to get as many teams out of the woodwork to draw out anybody who may be reluctant thinking it's going to be a PR nightmare. Well, wait a minute. If 20 teams are interested in the guy, how can it be a PR nightmare? So I think they wanted to get that out to the open. And now Watson reportedly will be meeting with the Panthers and the Saints over the next 48 hours. I got some thoughts about the next 48 hours because he's going to be questioned under oath in the civil cases filed against him tomorrow. I think that should be his main focus because he's never been through what he's going to go through tomorrow when he's questioned under oath aggressively by attorney Tony Busby. I'd focus only on that for now. But time is of the essence. He needs to find his next NFL home, and he's wisely doing his due diligence. His teams do their due diligence on him, Mike. Yeah, so, I mean, first and foremost, what we'll find out what owners, because for a player like this and what he's going through, the, the only thing a GM and a president can do is look up to the owner and say, do we pursue this or do we not? And I'm sure there's more than a few teams that have said nope, uh, that an owner said nope, don't pursue it at all. And some, like we're talking about Carolina and the Saints that are involved. And Deshaun Watson has that rare no trade clause, so he could he can literally pick uh, the team he wants, or at least you know try to as best he can of where he wants to go. Again, it all starts with owners saying go ahead and and, and find out what this is about, then it's going to be what's it going to take 
to get him? What kind of assets do we have to give up? And Mike, you can answer me, me this question uh, better than I can. And the legal part to this, man, when it was flying around Twitter, I did what I would normally do when something legal is happening. I stayed the hell out of it because I don't know enough <laughs> about it to start to comment uh, about that situation. But the one thing I did, you correct me if I'm wrong. So a guy like Ben Roethlisberger and Zeke Elliott did not have criminal charges brought on them. Nothing happened with them. And they were still, I believe, suspended six games each. So what is the potential? Do you still think the potential is there? I got to believe it is that Deshaun Watson will be suspended by the league. And what kind of games could we be looking at? Well, and you're right. Ezekiel Elliott wasn't even sued and he was suspended six games. The difference there was that the NFL spoke extensively with the alleged victim of the domestic violence, repeatedly interviewed her, believed her. That's what resulted in Ezekiel Elliott being suspended. I don't know whether or not the NFL believes, doesn't believe the people that who are making these right. accusations against Deshaun Watson. Maybe they believe some, they don't believe others. I think for some, the challenge is, okay, this is what you say he did. Where's the crime? Where's the civil obligation to compensate you? Where is the thing that happened to cross the line? I think that's why he ultimately wasn't indicted on any charges. Whatever the allegations were didn't rise to the level of a crime. However, however, with Ben Roethlisberger, 2010, six-game suspension reduced to four. He was never charged. He was never arrested. He had a civil action pending in an unrelated matter alleging rape in Nevada that had been filed a year earlier. The league suspended him without regard to what happened with that civil action. I think what the league will do, and I don't know this, but I'm reading the tea leaves here. And I think the league has learned some valuable lessons, Mike. And one of the lessons learned is don't do anything until you absolutely positively have to. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, and I, I, I picked that up from the league trying to figure out last year they're going to put him on paid leave. How do you not put him on paid leave? 22 civil lawsuits, yeah, nine criminal yeah. complaints. How do you not put him on paid leave? They didn't because they didn't have to because the Texans weren't trying to put him on the field. And nobody ultimately traded for him. So we don't have to do anything if we're the NFL. So that's – An example of the league learning, don't act until you have to. And I say all that because I think maybe what the league will do here is say there's still 22 civil lawsuits pending. We're not going to do anything until those lawsuits are resolved. If he settles them, we go down one path. If he loses at trial on any or some or all of them, we go down another path. If he wins, look at it this way, Mike. If he ultimately is never charged with a crime based on nine criminal complaints— and if he ultimately has 22 civil verdicts go his way, what, what, what can you do? How do you punish him at all? That would be the argument if I was representing Deshaun Watson. He's been fully exonerated of everything he's been alleged to have done. How can you punish him at all for any of this? So I think the league may say we're taking no action pending the outcome of the 22 civil cases. So, so uh, along those lines then, and because the wheels can turn slow at times, if these civil cases, 22 of them, aren't resolved by the start of the season, do you think wherever Deshaun Watson ends up in a trade, and, and I think we both believe it's going to happen, that do you believe he will be allowed to go on the field if all these have not been decided yet? If they haven't been decided and the league decides not to suspend him until after those cases are resolved, I think they'll let him play. I think they will let him play pending resolution of the civil cases. And if he settles, he may be walking right into 
a suspension. There right, was a sense right. last year that if the Dol- – because what the Dolphins wanted, because both the Dolphins and the Panthers wanted him last year, the Panthers were fine taking him on without anything being resolved, criminal side or civil side. But he wouldn't waive his no-trade clause to go to Carolina. He wanted to go to Miami. Well, Miami would only take him if he settled the 22 civil cases. Mm-hmm. And Miami believed, I'm told, that if he settled the 22 civil cases, he was looking at the suspension of roughly six games. So if he settles the cases at some point down the road, maybe he knows he's walking into a suspension. Right. He has to ask himself, how hard do I want to fight this? And he'll learn a lot about it tomorrow, Mike, because tomorrow he gets his introduction into what it's going to be like. And he will make a record of testimony that he will not be able to wash off. This is a tattoo on his testimony at trial. He's locking into a story. And uh, if it doesn't go well, that more likely leads to a settlement. And I think the NFL should want to look at the transcript of the testimony from tomorrow. I think any team interested in him should want to look at the transcript of his testimony tomorrow before anyone makes any decisions about what they do with Deshaun Watson. It's too close in time to not want to see what's there. So it's all to be determined, but the league has learned the hard way in the past to not do anything until they absolutely positively have to. And that may mean they'll kick the can and he'll play this year, assuming that the cases don't get resolved before the start of the season. So one, one thing I'll ask one more on you before we leave this. So if he is traded for, is he still a two to three first round pick trade? Well, everything I've heard indicates the Texans continue to want a very high price for Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson. And what I've said all along is job number one, and maybe there's still, maybe this is what's going on. This is the method of the madness. Job number one, find out all the teams that are interested in Deshaun Watson. Job number two, Find out all the teams that Deshaun Watson is interested in playing for. So you carve it down to two or three or four. Who knows? Then start your bidding. Let's see who's going to offer the best package for the Houston Texans. Because the Texans don't have the leverage of, screw it, we'll just keep him. Last year their attitude was, (laughs) you give us what we want, or screw it, we'll just keep him. And that's very powerful leverage if you can sell it. Mike, there's no way they can sell it this year. No. He's got a $35 million fully guaranteed salary this year. Last year it was 10. This year it's three and a half times that amount. And you've got the head coach, Lovey Smith, who has publicly said multiple times this month, boy, I really want to get this resolved. Yeah. yeah. You, you get $24 million in cap space like that. You remove a major distraction for the locker room and the organization like that. At some point, you've got to do the best deal you can. And I think if it's two teams, three teams, whatever – that's when the Texans basically have an auction for the Deshaun Watson contract. Yeah, I guess that's what it would be. If it's at least two teams, and like you said, maybe three, then you can get more. Obviously, if it's not, everybody knows that Texans want to get rid of him. So if you only had one team after him, they're going to offer you dirt, you know, basically for him or get, get as uh, least amount as they can. But with multiple teams, then you're right. Then it's just, okay, boys. You know, let me see what your bids are and let's, uh, you know, we got the prices right going on here and we'll see what we let him go for. Because as much as Deshaun, I'm sure, wants to start his career, restart his career somewhere else, the Houston Texans want him gone. My gut feeling is, and I see there's a report that Deshaun Watson will be meeting with the Saints and the Panthers in Houston tonight. And my advice as his lawyer would be focus on tomorrow. Unless that deposition's been postponed and I don't know about it, don't meet with the Saints and Panthers tonight. Focus on tomorrow. Anyway, uh, I, I, I think the Eagles are going to get involved at some point. And if I was Deshaun Watson, 
if I was Deshaun Watson, I think that's the team I want to go to. Stability in the coaching staff, just made it to the playoffs, good offensive line, good defense, good supporting cast, weak division, weak conference. That would be my first choice if I were him. That's not a bad one there. Of the three we're talking about, uh, the Saints, Carolina, and Philly, I, w- I would definitely go there. And much to the dismay of Jalen Hurts, uh, that would be happening. But, yes, that's a team I would go to. I don't, you know, uh, we'll see where Washington goes, and the Giants aren't going to be anywhere. I don't think Washington, what are they going to do, you know, with their, uh, their new quarterback situation? And the Cowboys, I, you know, I, I'm still kind of head-scratching. I know the money thing with Amari Cooper, but, wow. Uh, and I know he's been, been off the field some. Uh, but you signed Gallup for a lot of money. You you you, uh, you tagged Schultz, I believe, your tight end, and you got rid of Amari yes. Cooper because it was too expensive for you. Uh, that was an interesting one to me. So I agree. Uh, I, I think Philly could be right in that division. And of those three teams we're talking about, that's where I would go. They wanted to keep Cedric Wilson. He reportedly is signing with the Miami Dolphins. So they keep Gallup. They lose Wilson. They trade Cooper. Devontae Adams tagged by the Green Bay Packers. He reportedly informed the team that he won't play for the franchise tag. He wants a long-term deal. The two sides are far apart. Meanwhile, the Packers extend the contract of Preston Smith, get rid of Zadarius Smith and Billy Turner, and also re-sign Devondre Campbell. Still waiting for Aaron Rodgers to sign his new contract that will – reduce his cap number of 46.66 million that needs to happen by wednesday at four o'clock i assume it will but in this league who the hell knows but you know mike they got a problem with Devontae adams and i don't think he's going to pull the Le'Veon bell sit out the whole year it's 20 million dollars it's 20 million dollars so uh yeah i mean you can huff and puff but you're not going to blow down 20 million dollars if you're Devontae adams So, I, I, you know, I have never in my nine-year career been in the position of a Devontae Adams, never been in his league as far as a player. And there would be a fraction of that money if I were tagged that my wife would lock me out of the house until I signed the deal. It just, <laughs> it just wasn't going to be happen. I, I, this, this is a, now, again, if this is just a ploy, we'll see. But because I'm with you, I mean, how many players need to look at the Le'Veon Bell deal and say, okay, that didn't work. Though, I will say, man, when you sit in that locker room, Mike, I don't care if you're an average player to a great player, the one line that players always say when something bad happens to another player, it won't happen to me. You know, they always think it won't happen to them. But I, I just can't see the value of sitting out an entire season and losing 20 million dollars not that you're playing just for the money but that is generational wealth and I know he can get a lot more money and I know he will get a lot more money than that I get it but to say you're not going to play at all uh and leave that sit there I just I was stunned when Le'Veon Bell did it I would be just as stunned if Devontae Adams did it I don't think he will and this is his first career tag. It serves no purpose for him to do it now, which goes right. back to one of the themes from last week. Always force a team to tag you. Don't sign your contract until they tag you. He could have done that four years ago with the Packers. This would be tag number two, and a threat to not play this year would carry a hell of a lot more weight. I don't want to get into the weeds, but that's just the way it is. It doesn't carry a lot of weight since it's his first career tag. The Browns, it's only been three years since the Browns decided to be very aggressive and they made the moves to bring in Jarvis Landry and they add Odell Beckham Jr. in trade. And it was actually 2018 where they brought in Landry. It was 2019 when they brought in Beckham. But now Beckham and Landry are both gone. Landry was given permission to shop his contract into trade. Didn't work. They release him. He's gone. They have Amari Cooper. They need more help at receiver, Mike. But 
it, it was pretty clear last year that that the Landry experiment was ending. I think he was too close to OBJ, and I believe at the end of the day, the way it fell apart for Beckham and Baker Mayfield, I think that affected the relationship between Landry and Baker Mayfield. I, listen, I agree, and, and quite honestly, Mike, I kind of like what Mari Cooper is when he's on the field is a phenomenal, phenomenal route runner. Okay, phenomenal route runner. You have, you you tag in Joku. You have Hooper. So if they stay together, you got two good tight ends, and you have two really good running backs. So and a, and a hell of an offensive line. So I still like what that offense has there. Now, can Baker Mayfield be the guy to to deliver? You know, from the quarterback position. And, uh, yeah, assuming he's even there because right. there's no guarantee that's going to happen either because the Browns are one of the teams circling around Deshaun Watson. Wouldn't mm-hmm. that be something if the Browns make that move to bring Watson to town to pair with Amari Cooper? Let's go ahead and take a break. The Jaguars actually have made another signing. We'll tell you who it is when PFTPM continues right after this. The Jacksonville Jaguars continue their spending spree. Shad Khan's super yacht maintenance budget being affected today by the, by the Jaguars. Nine million goes out the window. That's about two months worth of super yacht maintenance for Shad Khan. <laughs> One year deal, fully guaranteed. Multiple reports indicate Evan Ingram, the tight end of the Giants, who largely a disappointment. He flashed from time to time, yeah, but it yeah. just never really worked. I saw some speculation maybe the Bills would make a run at him, make him a slot receiver. That would have been compelling. Instead, here he goes to Jacksonville. They're they're adding weapons and pieces, and I'm surprised. But, you know, like you said earlier, if you're willing to spend more than everybody else, you're going to get these guys. You no. aspire to get to the point where you win the ties, where all things equal, a guy chooses your team. And I don't think the Jaguars are there yet. No, and, and listen, the Evan Ingram signing, again, a first-round pick, five years. He's averaged a little over 50 receptions a season, about three touchdowns, I think, a year as well. It's been okay, as you, tie, as you said, flashed at times, disappeared at times. But, you know, you look at Jacksonville, and I think the leading tight end receiver was a guy that came over in the trade, Dan Arnold, um, from, from Carolina. I, I think he's so, you know, they, they certainly could use some help there. And you have to give them credit. They're going out and they're getting, you know, weapons and protection for Trevor Lawrence. Now, we just have to find out if it's the right weapons and protection for Trevor Lawrence, as we've talked about some of the players they sign and the positives and the negatives to them. Running back James Conner was a great bargain last year for the Cardinals on a one-year deal. He was a touchdown machine. He is sticking around with a three-year, $21 million deal with $13.5 million fully guaranteed. And good for him because last year when he became a free agent after his rookie contract ended with the Steelers, there really was an interest. Good for the Cardinals to recognize that this guy's got the goods. He's got a role in that offense. He's still got plenty of tread on the tires. This is a good contract for a running back. Running backs typically don't get this kind of money. I'm happy to see James Conner get it. A great story. Kid that overcame lymphoma in college. Was supposed to become the guy for Pittsburgh. It never quite worked. It's working in Arizona. Listen, I I think it was a great re-signing there. Now, again, running... 
he, he averaged under four yards a carry, but he, we know he's a tough runner. I thought, Mike, he was a stud out of the backfield. When you have that weapon coming out of the backfield, catching the ball, and getting an ability to get into the end zone, that's the end of the day. That's a game. We can, we can break down where you are rushing, passing, total. How many points are you scoring? You're scoring more than the other team. And this guy gets in the end zone. And, and, he, and he did such a great job catching the ball out of the backfield, became that multi-threat. So I, I good for him, too, because you, you met, listen, his story has been everywhere since he's coming to the league. And he is just a tough, hard-nosed guy that you know every time he goes on the field, you're getting 100% out of. And, you know, sometimes that's good for you. And sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, oh, he's okay. But this guy produced. He produced, especially catching the ball out of the backfield. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the Cardinals trying to hold everything together. And one of the key pieces there, obviously, is keeping Kyler Murray happy. The Dolphins doing what they have to do to improve their team under new coach Mike McDaniel. They keep defensive end Emmanuel Ogba, and they bring in running back Chase Edmonds, odd man out in Arizona. And also, also, one of the most intriguing moves of the day to me, Mike, Teddy Bridgewater, the starting quarterback for the Denver Broncos in 2021, becomes the backup to yeah. Tua Tonga-Vailoa in Miami. Um, I Look, I, I, don't, I don't need two and on. It's, it's going to be a long week. I don't want two and on after me. But <laughs> all things equal, I, look, if, if it's a meritocracy, there's a chance Teddy Bridgewater could win that job at some point. Yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I, listen, I, I agree with you. And, you know, Teddy was playing so well before that. I mean, still, you think about it a horrific knee injury in practice that just devastated that team, devastated that Vikings team. So you thought, okay, when he came back from this, could he regain where he was heading, what he was doing, and how the arrow was up on him? And I think each stop he has, Mike, we're all, I think everybody kind of, you know, there are guys, you know, that, that you know, you don't know, you root for, you don't root for, some just watch for enjoyment. There are guys that go in certain situations that you just, end up rooting for because of what happened to them through no fault of their own. And Teddy was kind of one of those guys, just such a freak, horrific knee injury that you're just like, can he get, can he regain it? Can he regain it? And you wonder different is the grass greener somewhere else. Well, there's been a few times now the grass trying to be greener for Teddy Bridgewater somewhere. At some point we're going to have to see, can he get to that next level or not? Unfortunately, at this point, he just hasn't shown it yet. You know, Mike, they opened that new stadium in Minnesota just uh, a few weeks before Teddy Bridgewater suffered that knee injury, and all he had to do was walk around the place. Oh. They were expecting Teddy was going yeah. to become the guy that year, and here we are six years later. He's getting another chance. It didn't work out ultimately in Denver last year, but he did have an opportunity to start, and I think he could eventually be the guy in Miami this year, but, but we'll see. The Eagles signed Hassan Reddick. He spent last year with the Panthers after four years with the Cardinals. He's a guy who can – make some noise and cause some damage and the Eagles trying to get better on both sides of the ball. If you have a good interior defensive line, Reddick's a guy who can come around the edge and really create havoc. So could be a good signing for the Philadelphia Eagles as they try to take the next step, Mike. Yeah, he's proved that in the last couple of years when he goes to Carolina, gets 11 sacks the year before in Arizona, 12 and a half sacks. So he's proven to be a good edge rusher and, and you hit the nail on the head. People love these outside edge rushers. But if you don't get at least some push up the middle, the quarterback's got a place to step up and break out. 
And Philly can have that push in the middle. So this is Hassan Reddick has done well for himself the last couple of years in setting up his play to set himself up to get paid. He's taken advantage of it. He's gotten paid. Now let's see if he keeps producing with double-digit sacks. We'll be wrapping up PFTPM after the break. When we do, a little fill in the blank. Easy for him to say. Fill in the blank. <laughs> Free agency edition. We'll be right back. All right, a little fill-in-the-blank as we wrap things up today. My favorite move of the day has been what, Mike Golick? Uh, it's been the Bengals signing two old linemen, uh, Kappa and Karras. The, the place they needed it, again, uh, I mean, 70 sacks, including the Super Bowl. That's where they needed help. They could get it now before they have to pay mega deals to guys like Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. I like the Mitch Trubisky signing by Pittsburgh, <laughs> and I know some folks in Pittsburgh are like, what in the hell are we doing? But – He's clearly better than Mason Rudolph. The fact that the numbers weren't leaked tells me it's a team-friendly deal, and it allows them to potentially grab a guy in round one that they really like if he trickles through. This isn't bad for the Steelers, and it puts them in a much better spot than they would be with Mason Rudolph. The expectations will be low. People will just assume the Steelers aren't going to be good. They'll have a total team effort, and they will be better than people expect them to be, and I think Trubisky will be better then anyone is going to assume he will be. The Buccaneers will win the Super Bowl if what, Mike? Well, if they can get a number of those guys, they got a lot of free agents to sign back again, but will they? Kappa already left. Jensen stayed there, as we saw at center. Um, a lot of these guys, Mike, came back last year. You know, there were a lot of one-year deals last year around the league. And like, hey, can we win back-to-back Super Bowls? They didn't. So now you got to wonder, do they say, hey, you know what? I have a Super Bowl. I got it a couple of years ago. We didn't go back-to-back. Now I'm going to go grab the money. I know Jensen didn't. He, he stayed. But others will. Others will leave. So how many can they get back? And or how many other top players, good veterans, can they get to join Tampa Bay this year? There's a lot of things that have to fall in a team's favor to win a Super Bowl, but obviously Tom Brady coming back has moved the odds in their favor. I think the biggest if is if they can avoid the Rams in the postseason. you got to hope the way the playoff tree falls. Divisional round, the Rams go to the Packers and can't win at Lambeau Field in January. Then you get the Packers either at Lambeau Field or in Tampa Bay when the championship game rolls around. I think that's their path because, Mike, they should have lost that game to the Rams by 40 points. They were outclassed last year, and I think when all the pieces fall together again, the Rams are still going to be a better team. Hey, listen, I covered that game for Westwood One. I was right there watching it, and that was the one blowout we were getting in the playoffs until the Rams decided to fumble four times and give Tom Brady chance after chance. I can, I guarantee you this, if they do get another shot at the Rams, they won't run a, a cover zero blitz. Or if they do, if they do, all, all 11 guys will, uh, will be in on the same page, hopefully. <laughs> well, it's already been a crazy first day of free agency, not negotiating, period, not legal tampering. Free agency began today. We'll continue to monitor every step of the way at ProFootballTalk.com. Tomorrow morning at PFT Live, PFT PM. And thanks, as always, for some of your time. Great seeing you, Mike. Great job, you as too, always. Mike. Thanks for making me thanks. look less stupid. We'll see everybody tomorrow morning. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. 
Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.